Next on BYU Sports Nation, three straight wins for BYU men's basketball. Now, they road trip. The Cougars' all-time steals leader Jackson Emery joins us live to preview a crucial stretch. What's your biggest takeaway from BYU's successful homestand? And ESPN's Jay Billis ranks the top 68 college basketball teams. Where did the Cougars stack up? Plus, BYU quarterback Taysom Hill back to work after the holiday break. What he's doing now to improve the Cougars' passing attack in 2014. Let's go. And now, live on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio, it's BYU Sports Nation with your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Put your hands together for Tuesday, January 14th. Yeah, all right. I'm Spencer Linton alongside the voice of BYU Men's Volleyball and BYU TV studio show producer, Jerem Jordan. Wherever and however you all may be listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Let's tip it off with some rational national rankings. ESPN college basketball expert Jay Billis releasing his top 68. He has BYU right at number 50. If you're wondering, why does he rank 68? Well, it's because 68 teams make the NCAA tournament. Yes, I know. It's not the top 68 who get in, but if that were the case, the Cougs would have a spot in Jay Billis' bracket. That's always a good thing for the Cougars to be on the national radar. I forgot the exact amount of at-large bids. I want to say it's 30-something. I think uh, it's 33. Yeah. So BYU would be 17 out, right, according to that. According to Joe Lenardi, his latest bracket, which was last Thursday, BYU is the fifth team out, despite the fact that at the time BYU was, what, 9-7, and 10-7? and seven? So BYU on the bubble probably out at this point, but there's some work to do. And BYU in a good position, having won three games in a row, have some confidence, did it without Eric Mika, to go on the road and now change things. Change the season after starting 0-2 in WCC play. As for BYU's opponents, lofty positions in that same top 68 chart. We'll discuss that at 15 minutes past the hour. Join the conversation by using the hashtag BYUSN. Look, in a world of 140 characters, we're giving you more space to tweet by keeping the hashtag nice and concise. Big thanks to all of you who have embraced it and brought it to life. You can also comment on our Facebook page and sound off on today's Twitter question. Which is, what is your biggest takeaway from BYU basketball's three-game win streak? Weigh in on Twitter using hashtag BYUSN. We'll tell you ours in a moment. By the way, I just looked it up. 36 at-large bids now with the 68-team tournament. With the expansion. Okay. So BYU would be 14 out of automatic qualification in Jay Billis's bracket because they're 50. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Uh, in light of the approaching BYU basketball road trip, I'm, I'm going to do something new today. We're looking Uh-oh. for followers of the show to tweet in from the California Bay Area. BYU's playing at San Francisco and Santa Clara. Then a follower from Portland. Yeah, And Portland. one from Spokane, Washington. Can we make it happen? We have issued the challenge... We want responses from all of the regions BYU will visit over the next few weeks. Make it happen, BYU Sports Nation. You can listen to our show weekdays, noon Eastern, 10 a.m. Mountain on Sirius XM Channel 143, BYURadio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, and Dish Network Channel 980. Access the show on demand at BYURadio.org. Or if it's more convenient, you can catch the rebroadcast weekdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Rise and shout, sports friends. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending in BYU Sports Nation. Topic one. What have we learned? Carlino for three. And BYU's first lead since eight to seven. Carlino with 15. Tell you one thing I've learned. Matt Carlino finding the mojo within his new role. Last two games, averaging 14 points, five assists, and just one turnover in that role coming off the bench. I haven't really thought about it that much. I've just been thinking about when I go in, I need to do my job and just uh, continue to get better. But it's it's actually uh, it's been kind of nice. I mean, it hasn't it's maybe taken a little bit of the pressure off myself and uh, just you know it, it's different. But it, it it's been nice so far. I mean, we haven't lost. So over this three game home win streak, Jerem. It's either been Matt Carlino or Skylar Halford. One of the two has stepped up and filled that role nicely. Can you imagine if both of those players can be productive as well as getting Eric Mika back? I can't imagine that. I've thought about it. 
Man. As a BYU fan, you think you, you think of everyone at their maximum potential and that that is the best you could possibly play. That's unrealistic to think that everyone would play a great game in the same game. But in order for BYU to compete against Gonzaga, I'm not even saying the word win or lose, just to compete against Gonzaga, BYU's got to play a really good game in which many individuals have a good game. Skylar Halford, Matt Carlino, Collinsworth, Haas, Mika, you need a tremendous effort to win. Portland did that and beat Gonzaga last week. The Cougars play at Gonzaga next week. We've talked about post-two-game losing streak. The buildup would be towards Gonzaga. Even though each game is different and unique and BYU needs to win those, ultimately it is to climb higher than 50th in a ranking like Jay Billis's that we mentioned, BYU is going to have to win a game they're not supposed to win at St. Mary's. I don't know that BYU wins at Gonzaga, but beating them at home, that would still be good. Splitting with Gonzaga would be good. So there's some work to do, but BYU showed in the final, in the last three games that BYU is capable of playing better, of getting more guys involved, of getting better production from people you expect it from. Tyler Haas gets into the 30s. That's the next step. Those games are huge. BYU Sports Nation, what's your biggest takeaway from the Cougars' three-game home win streak? Is it Matt Carlino finding his way as the sixth man? I'm a guy that doesn't really care about the starting five. Matt Carlino played 31 minutes and did not start the game. More than Kyle Collinsworth. He was only two minutes under Tyler Haas, who had the most minutes of any BYU player in that win. So coming off the bench, really, if it's going to work better, if it allows you to set your mentality better, great. I don't care who starts as long as the roles that are defined are producing good results. Matt Carlino, I think, is kind of... I dare say, enjoying this role now, knowing that, hey, look, I can come off the bench and, and I can do some good things. I can offer immediate depth and energy and a scoring capability off of the bench. I don't know if it's going to last all season. Don't care if it's going to last all season. Whatever helps BYU the most is what Dave Rose is going to do. He's a good basketball coach. So I don't, I don't read into the starting five. Matt Carlino, whether he's there or coming off the bench, as long as he's productive, that's what matters most. And there's a certain element of timing associated with how, when you play well. Because if you can get your starters that play well and get you a lead, and then you have a guy like Matt Carlino off the bench and he's productive, that helps with that second unit. Because guys are in foul trouble or you've struggled to shoot the ball early. In the case of LMU, Matt Carlino was the spark that got BYU in the, stay, stayed in the game. BYU could have trailed by way more than one at halftime, but Matt Carlino kept them in that game. So when there are nights where a guy like Skyler Halford goes 0 for 5, or Tyler Haas is struggling from the field, which he did against LMU in the, in the middle 30 of the game, you need guys to score. And Matt Carlino provided that spark. For me, though, he's not the biggest takeaway. The biggest takeaway from the three-game win streak to me is that Tyler Haas emerged as the leader. Following the two-game losing streak, we discussed at length Who's the leader? Who is the single guy that leads this team? Are you talking statistically? No, on and off. Okay. Right? So we've talked about how Tyler Haas in the huddles was more vocal. In the pregame, getting a finger in Eric Mika's chest when he was injured, saying, we need you. And then getting into the 30s in games where they were close, uh, later in the game than BYU was comfortable with. Five minutes left with Pepperdine. He takes over. Uh, late, in, late in the game, LMU helps get BYU the 23-point He's the closer. Win. He's the closer. And so that's important because last year at Gonzaga, Tyler Haas had his worst game as a Cougar ever. He needs to show up in that game, and he needs to show up in all these games because he's the guy for BYU. That's the biggest takeaway to me. Okay, we started with Matt Carlino. That is not my biggest takeaway, though it is an important thing for BYU, and I understand Tyler Haas. I think the biggest takeaway from this three-game homestand, came actually during the last two games, and that was because BYU was without their star freshman center, Eric Mika, and they still found a way to win those games. Huge. They learned how to play with one of their significant, really their only major post presence on the bench. They beat LMU by 23 points without Eric Mika sniffing the floor. Okay, maybe he sniffed it because he was dressed. Yeah, he was but, pretty close to sniff. But he did not play... And that was okay. So there are going to be games, inevitably, when Eric Mika gets into foul trouble. That's what happens when you don't have a lot of post-depth. And people are going to be aggressive, and the foul changes and all the differences that are going on in college basketball now, it's going to make it harder for Eric Mika to stay in the game the entire way. So he's going to sit on the bench, and BYU's going to need to be able to do things offensively without Eric Mika. 
they found a way to do that without him. The entire game. Invaluable for me. That's the biggest takeaway is they got it done without Eric Mika. And against Pepperdine, that was big because Brendan Lane was not in the game. He's a guy that's gone off for 26 and 17. He was hurt, did not play. I think that was huge. Had Lane played and Mika didn't, that would have been tough. Yeah. I would have, that, that would have been uh, an ev- even bigger evidence of where BYU was at. But that might have played into why Mika didn't play, right? So now BYU goes on the road and they play some tougher games and they'll need Mika. They need Mika to accomplish the goals that they have, which is the number one goal go to the NCAA tournament. Whatever that means in terms of finishing in the WCC, go to the NCAA tournament. And that at-large window closed uh, quite a bit compared to what it was before the two-game losing streak in WCC play. But it's still there. The at-large opportunity is still there for BYU. It's just smaller. What's your biggest takeaway for BYU men's basketball in the current three-game win streak? Is it Matt Carlino? Is it Tyler Haas emerging as the leader? How about Eric Mika being out, but BYU still winning? Or maybe Kyle Collinsworth? Maybe we're overlooking the glue player that is on this BYU roster. He's a guy that can do so many different things. We'd hardly even address what he's done the past few games. Nearly had a triple-double, and then about became, uh, I th- was it the first or second BYU player to ever record a 3 by 5 The second player. So Kyle Collinsworth, where we haven't addressed him a lot, is is a crucial part of this team. He is also, his role is also a big takeaway. So BYU getting it done at home. Now it's time to get it done away from the Marriott Center. Topic two. Bring on the road show. There is Haas, the pull-up. Knocks it in. BYU taking care of business at home, as I mentioned, three straight wins. But now they try and snap a five-game road losing streak, beginning at San Francisco on Thursday. I mean, you, you look at you know the next couple of weeks, and I think everybody knew how important these three wins were for us, and or three these three home games were, and you know the. the this is a tough stretch we have here, and we're going to have to be really tough. We're going to have to be really uh, together and uh, take them one at a time. First things first, San Francisco. BYU start with the Dons of San Francisco, coached by one Rex Walters. Do you know why I don't like Rex Walters, Jerem? Why don't you like Rex Walters? 1992. Do you remember what happened? What Rex? Or, or was that? He's probably with Kansas. That's right. And getting buckets. Yes. Against who? In 92? I don't know. BYU. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So Rex Walters. I moved to Utah when I was 11 in 95. And so pre-95, it's just what I've read. Didn't experience anything. I believe BYU was a seven seed in the 1992 NCAA tournament. Or was it second round? Kansas was a two seed. BYU matched up with Kansas in the second round, and Rex Walters went nuts against BYU. Oh, now you're... Now i got to go look this up and look find it out up, what dude. happened. Yes. Relive it. Well, actually don't because <laughs> it's not going to be a happy memory. Um, they start with Rex Walters, San Francisco Dons, then to Santa Clara. This is a Bay Area road trip. Then they'll go up the West Coast to Portland the following week. And finally, the much-anticipated showdown with Gonzaga in late January. Four road games, and BYU has a great opportunity it was 93. It was 93. 90 okay. to 76 in it was, Chicago. It was 92 93, right? The 92 93 season. There you go. There you okay. Go. There you go. See? Basketball's confusing, though. Uh, it covers a couple of years. Uh, they have an opportunity here to stay on top of the conference, but more importantly, get, a, get road wins. That's what they haven't done. They have one true road win, I believe, this year, and that was at Stanford. That's correct. All, that was the second game of the season. Let's review the road games. So the BYU beat Stanford, a nice win. Uh, just just road. Then it's Utah, loss. Oregon, loss. LMU, loss. Pepperdine, loss. Mm. Can BYU One and four. find a way on the road? That's what we're all looking for. They can, you yes. Know, and I asked They're that, ready. I asked that rhetorical question, but it, that, that, that's the big one. Can they win on the road? Yes, BYU is ready. They've shown that in these three games that, yes, home cooking is awesome, as BYU won those three. And the sense of urgency in the San Diego game was refreshing. Pepperdine and LMU, BYU did it a different way. And now BYU plays San Francisco, who, by the way, if they had Cody Doolin, I would be legitimately worried about this game. 
because he was a fantastic point guard that gave BYU fits. San Francisco beat BYU in the Marriott Center last year. Because they made a bucket load of threes. And at San Francisco, Matt Carlino had to hit a big shot to win the game for BYU. Four-point win. Those, so that San Francisco had the edge on BYU last year. But no Cody Doolin, who dropped out of school, reasons unknown. At least I haven't heard anything. But San Francisco's off to a 4-2 and two start in conference. They're solid. They hammered Pepperdine with Brendan Lane in the lineup. So this is going to be a tough game. And then Santa Clara has proven that they have some scoring options. Kevin Foster graduated, who ended up as one of the all-time leading scorers in WCC history. That's also a, a tougher game. But I think that BYU comes away 2-0 and in those games and that Eric Mika makes a big difference and that Tyler Hawes is a different player and that Matt Carlino is a different player. I don't think he's an 18-a-game night kind of guy. You don't, He'd be starting if that was the case. But I think that Halford has a better game. I think Carlino has a better game. I think BYU's ready. I think BYU's grown in the last three games. This conference, look, there's so little difference from the top team to the bottom team. There's a ton of parity in the West Coast Conference this year. Fun, but bad for bids to the NCAA tournament. And if you don't believe me, let's talk about this, okay? San Francisco is 4-2. and two. They're second in the conference. You just Without talked about Doolin. they handled Pepperdine, and they've got some notable wins they don't have Cody Doolin. That whole situation is kind of weird. So, And they had a ton of guys transfer in the offseason. Yeah, it's we're not really sure what's going on, but they're, they're still winning games. Santa Clara just beat St. Mary's on a buzzer beater at St. Mary's. So they win in Moraga. Then Portland pulls off the upset of the year in the West Coast Conference, probably. They knock off Gonzaga, ending their home loss streak to Gonzaga of 17 straight games. So anybody can beat anybody, which means BYU cannot look overlook any team. Every he, game, every game is an important one now in the West Coast Conference. Especially because BYU lost those two. No gimmies. In a, in a way, it was a positive thing for BYU to lose at least one of those. Because it was a slap in the face to say, look, BYU, you're not better, you're not better than any of these teams. You have to, on paper, you have to prove it. So now BYU has to prove it in the Bay Area this weekend. And that same kind of contingent that ended up going to the Fight Hunger Bowl and that supports BYU passionately, they're going to be there. BYU is not going to play a road game this week. They're going to play some neutral side games because Cougar fans in the West Coast Conference have been fantastic. The Pepperdine game. Someone told me that went to that game. I almost feel bad for Pepperdine. Very little support there, and there are a ton of BYU fans here. So hopefully BYU leverages that to a degree to win. Let's go back to the Billis top 50. We're talking about opponents and road games. Okay, so looking at the top 68, notable teams that BYU has played or will play. We'll start at the bottom, meaning the, the highest-ranked teams, or lowest-ranked teams, however you want to look at it. I know, that's always odd. With Wichita State, they come in at number 5. BYU was up on Still that undefeated. Team. BYU was leading that team in Kansas City. By 12. By 12 points. Iowa State, 11. BYU also had a 12-point lead against the Cyclones in Provo. Who've only lost twice now after losing to Kansas last night. BYU lost again by two. Oregon, 27. UMass, 28. Gonzaga, number 30. So BYU has an opportunity to go knock off a top 30 team, and this is a national, rational ranking from Jay Billis, college basketball expert. Stanford, 38. BYU beat them at their place. St. Mary's, 67. So they're just inside the six, in the 68. Utah, 65, and Texas at 56. So BYU has two wins over teams in the top 56. Billis top 56. Yes. The lead-up for the next week and a half and, and these three games, to me, is all about being competitive with Gonzaga. I don't think BYU has to win in Gonzaga, at Gonzaga. I don't. I think that they need to win the home game uh, to have an at-large chance which would still be slim. It's more Right now, it's more about being really competitive and trying to get the two seed uh, in the conference to go into Vegas with momentum and then get to the title game and play a good game with Gonzaga. I don't even know that you have to win that game necessarily if the Zags get to the title game. To me, that, that's the realistic expectation. What do I want BYU to do? Run the table! Sweep Gonzaga! Win the tournament title! I'm going to be more real than that. Be competitive in Spokane, and what's that going to take? Good games this week and then at Portland before Gonzaga on Saturday. So somebody on Twitter asked Joe Lenardi, who's another ESPN guy. He's the bracketologist. He's the bracketologist. He releases a new bracket 
prediction every Thursday on ESPN.com. People, you know, this is the bracketology Bible for those things. Uh, You and I included. We love to look at those those matchups. We just wait by our computer in the morning and just. Apple refresh. R. Refresh, 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 refresh. There it is. <laughs> it's new. It's First up. four out. So BYU is firmly on the bubble, and Joe Lunardi, despite the Cougars losing their first two conference games and being eleven and seven, feels like they've done enough with strength of schedule and they have some quality wins to keep them on the bubble. That's telling. That's telling because BYU teams in the past, if they had seven losses after eighteen games, no way, no way. They've scheduled up. They've done a good job. Dave Rose deserves a huge hand of credit for doing what he did. I, I, I don't even know if you could anticipate that it would be this good. But I, I No, I, I looked at the schedule and thought, okay, that's going to be tough, but didn't realize that Iowa State would be so good. You thought Wichita State would be good, that Oregon was undefeated at the time. You know, that was, it was, honestly, it was too tough to a degree because it, it hindered BYU's progress at the beginning of the WCC. Joe Lunardi was asked if BYU beats Gonzaga one of two, if they split with Gonzaga and then beat St. Mary's both times and don't have another bad loss, meaning they don't lose to another team outside of the RPI top 100, are they a lock? And he said, yes. Wow. The formula right there. You split with Gonzaga. If you win both games against St. Mary's, which is very doable, and you don't have another bad loss outside of the RPI top 100, BYU is a lock in the NCAA tournament. Lock is such a strong word, that's and I'm from so the, surprised to hear him say that. That's from the bracketologist. That means BYU would be the two seed, maybe the reg, regular season champ. Just saying. Well, that would be only one other loss. But, yeah. Lock is a strong word, though. Anytime you're a WCC team and you don't have like four or five losses, I don't think you can say you're locked. Coming up in about five minutes, Taysom Hill on BYU Sports Nation. What he is doing to improve the passing game. How he wants to get better for 2014. Also, we have Jackson Emery, the all-time stills leader. He'll join us at about 35 past the hour. And how he's getting involved in BYU sports broadcasting. Oh yeah, it's going down. Plus, more of your tweets. This is BYU Sports Nation. Stay with us. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is BYU Sports Nation on the BYU Radio Sports Network. We're live from Studio 2 at BYU Broadcasting. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here. Follow the show on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation. You can also follow us at Spencer underscore Linton. And at Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is on demand now on the revamped BYURadio.org slash Sports Nation. You can look up the show specifically that way now. BYURadio.org slash Sports Nation. Listen to past shows and today's show. It's posted in the early afternoon. It's on BYURadio.org slash Sports Nation. Some initial tweets that I think are just absolutely fantastic, Jerem. Uh, one coming in from Matt Laser Sheep. He says, quote of the day, Jerem. And then he has quotes. As a BYU fan, you think... And then he closes the quotes. That means that the oracle, hashtag Oracle has spoken. <laughs> Is that so the you're, trigger? So you're speaking for BYU fans. As a BYU fan, you think. That's, you know what? That's kind of a, too big of a mantle for me, I think. I don't know if my, <laughs> my small shoulders can handle that. But you can, said it. Can I get a massage each week? If so, then I can bear that burden. Otherwise, it's too tight. Are you the Oracle or are you not the Oracle? For BYU Sports Nation. I think that the facts uh, will have to reveal themselves and <laughs> prove whether I'm an oracle. I don't know that I'm the oracle, but may I, maybe I'm an oracle. You need to give yourself some credit. And even if you, even if you did go out on a huge limb yesterday and, and, and predict that Tyler Haas <laughs> and Taylor Sanders was going to be the West Coast Conference Player of the Week and Taylor Sanders. No one saw that. I mean, going no one was discussing that. And then, boom, MPSF that news came out player here. Player of like the Week. fire. Uh, I think somebody tweeted and said, uh, in response to Jerem being the Oracle and calling both of those, someone tweeted and said, uh, yeah, so did anybody else with a brain. <laughs> <laughs> At F. Ruiz 801 said... The Oracle has spoken, and I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and it's his mo- He's the one started. F. Ruiz 801 yeah. gave us the moniker of the Oracle. Well, he's, he's one of the BYU Sports Nation superfans. Love it. Uh, Taysom Hill was on True Blue yesterday. Yes, he was. 
a show you produced, Jerem. He talked with Dave McCann, and a really interesting conversation. It began with Dave pointing out that it had been a while since Taysom had taken a hit, and I'm sure Taysom's fine with that, and asked how the dual-threat star quarterback was feeling. Yeah, I feel really good. Uh, it, it took a little bit of time after the bowl game um, to recover and things. I had a lot of carries, and um, but the time off has been really good, and, and we started working out again, and, and I'm feeling really good. What did you learn about yourself over the course of last season? Hmm. Um, I, I would say uh, resilience, maybe, um, where when things weren't going so well that I was able to push through and uh, really work to, to, to overcome any sort of uh, trial or something that wasn't going well in a football game, whether it was on or off the field. Um, I, I would say that's, that's what I, I learned most, what really stuck out to me. As you look to get better, what are the top three things on the list for, for you? Um, right now, I want to improve my uh, accuracy, decision-making, and, and I would say those are kind of my biggest things. I think as a quarterback, you are always constantly trying to improve on those at, at any level. So um, I've reached out to a few guys uh, that have played in the NFL you know, and, and talked to uh, them and who they've worked out with, and, and I've contacted a few of those people. And um, So I've got plans to do that. I've got big, big summer plans, and uh, that will be uh, my focus at the same time working on timing with the, the new guys that we got in this season. Steve Young's obviously a big fan of you. I think you remind him uh, a lot of himself in his playing days. So let me ask you this. As a quarterback who can run, uh, how difficult is it to not put your trust in your legs and keep it in your arm and wait just a little bit longer for routes to finish before you go, i got to go get us a first down. Yeah. Um, it, it is hard. I feel like at times, you know, it's, it's easy to resort back to that. Um, and not only that, I also think that it's easy as a, as a play caller to say, hey, you know, he can run the ball really right. well, and, and that's, a, that's a easy, that's a secure play call. And so I, I think it works uh, both ways, but that's something that I want to continue to improve on. I think... Uh, you know, we need to work on chemistry. When I get outside of the pocket, our receivers are working to get open. So I do have a viable option down the field as I get out of the pocket. And, and that's where a lot of big plays happen. Everybody needs a wingman. Cody Hoffman was your wingman uh, this past season with, with all the records that he set. Now you got to find a new one. Yeah. How do you replace Cody Hoffman? Um, look, Cody, Cody's a guy, yeah, I mean, I don't know if we'll be able to replace a guy like Cody. Uh, he re rewrote the record book here at BYU, and uh, it, he was a fantastic athlete. But we have uh, a lot of great athletes coming in. Um, you know, we have some guys that played for us last year that mm -hmm. um, I'm really optimistic about, and, and I think that they will come in and fill the void just fine. You're going to throw with Nick Kurtz for the first time tomorrow. What do you expect from Kurtz? And, and between now and, say, kickoff against Connecticut, what does he need to do to get ready for, for what you want to do with him? Um, I, I think the speed of the game is going to be a lot faster for Nick than uh, what he's used to coming from a JUCO and then coming to play at a Division One school. So I think spring will be really big for him to work on timing and, and get used to uh, just the speed of, of a Division One uh, program. So see these other guys here, Matthews, Oppo, and Thompson. At one point, they were all hurt this season. Yeah. I guess you just like to see the three at practice. Yeah, yeah. I would say that's the biggest thing. You know, looking back at the 2000. 2013 season, we had a lot of depth at receiver, and, and we went in with uh, into the season with with a lot of trust in those guys. And and uh, you know seasons are long, and we lost them, and, and that hurt us a little bit down the stretch. And uh, that'll be a focus, you know. But but we can't plan on them not getting injured because that's football. With guys like Hoffman and Calvin Noy gone, uh, do you feel this is an opportunity for you to kind of seize that leadership role and, and like so many quarterbacks have before that didn't have dominating receivers and linebackers yeah. in place before you got here? Do you, do you feel this is an opportunity for you to go, okay, where, where can I make uh, more of get involved that way? Yeah, for sure. And, and I think, you know, naturally playing quarterback here sure. at BYU, that, that's the role that, that uh, falls upon me as a quarterback. And so I felt that uh, last year as a starter and, and playing, and, and I felt that uh, already more so as we started the offseason, especially being a junior and upperclassman that's been here for a few years. I've, I've got uh, a few years of experience under my belt, and uh, it's something that I'll continue to work on and, and uh, you know, allow my leadership to uh, help us get better. 
Timing's a funny thing because you, you, your timing is where you get to break in about nine different new offensive linemen <laughs> during this past season. But there's going to come a day when you have a senior group of linemen that you've played with for three years, and, and what a difference that will be. What do you want the line to do over the next few months? Um, I think right now uh, we just we need to get stronger. You know, um, so I, I expect, uh, you know, hard work in the weight room. I, I lift next to a lot of our alignment, and I expect uh, each of us, me including, um, to get stronger. And, uh, you know, we have everybody on a, on a detailed diet. I know where their body fat's at. I know where it should be. And so I'm, I'm included in all that, and uh, I, I help monitor that. Looking at that schedule that awaits you coming up, you're, you're taking this team all over the country again. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, like, a rock, it's like a rock and roll band. It is, um, which is, you know, honestly, it's one of the, the great things about being an independent school is we have an opportunity to, to travel to the East Coast, stay in, in, in the you know, central uh, part of the states, and then play on the West Coast and play in a lot of different venues and uh, it's been a great opportunity I had a lot of fun last year and and I'm looking forward to it again this season it's been an eventful off season for you I met your fiance a moment ago and I saw the uh, tweet uh, on Instagram here as as you got engaged tell us about uh, tell us about that well uh, first of all I'm I'm still trying to figure out why she said yes but uh, (laughs) we're we're just gonna we're gonna leave that out of it yeah um, yeah no so I I proposed I flew into Texas the day after the game this is David Nixon's sister for BYU football Ball loyalists yeah. trying to connect the dots. Here. Yeah, um, I flew into uh, Texas. She picked me up in College Station, and and I had David and, and some of her other family members uh, organize and, and set up some lights in a gazebo in front of their house. And uh, when we when we pulled up to her house on an early morning on the 29th, I guess it was 1:30 in the morning. Um, I proposed, and and uh, we had it pretty well documented. So. Okay, compare your nerves to that moment to just before the Texas game <laughs> on ESPN. I would say I was more nervous to propose. <laughs> I believe you know, it. I, I uh, didn't really know what to, what to expect. I mean, I figured she would say yes, but um, yeah, I, I would say that I was I was more nervous and maybe more just excited. You know, first time being <laughs> doing something like that. Spring drills, then an April wedding, and then summer drills and fall camp. It'll be an active year for you. We look forward to. to being with you. Thank you. Taysom Hill joining Dave McCann on True Blue yesterday. The newly engaged Taysom Hill. And guess what? He and the Cougars one day closer to the 2014 opener at Connecticut. Countdown to Connecticut. Two twenty six. Two twenty six. Is it only two hundred twenty six days away? Unbelievable. Did I calculate that correctly? You did. Calculate that correctly. I feel like we had 300 or something at some point. No, 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 no. That's not the case. My bi- 226. Uh, biggest takeaway from Taysom. He's lifting with the offensive line. I, li- I like that because then it's, hey, you're my guys. And he said, I know what their body fat is and what it's supposed to be. And I'm in on that too. Whoa. Get that body fat down. Okay. Do you think he's yelling that? Oh, dude. He's, you need a vocal leader. You have too much body fat. Can you imagine what Taysom Hill's going to be when he's a senior? That guy was already getting in people's faces as a sophomore. Going all Federic on people? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> He's intense. He wants to win. I want my you quarterback play to win. I want the my game. quarterback to be intense and involved. I want him to be like Ty Detmer. Like super amped all the time. Swearing into the ref's mic? Yes. Have you heard that story? I have heard that story. <laughs> That's got to be on YouTube at some point somewhere. Yeah, that's funny. We should ask Ty about that next time he's on the show. Yeah. Listen to Taysom's numbers. 1,344 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns. That's over 100 yards a game, by the way. And then 2,938 passing yards, 19 touchdowns. That's 226 a game as a sophomore. I want him to have less rushing yards and more passing. I don't want Taysom Hill to have 1,000 yards rushing next year. If he ran for like... 600 and, and had 3,500. 35, oh, man. More, and more touchdowns. It's, a, it's more about touchdowns. Let Jamal run year. for 1,500. Yes, and he can. He can. He will. I'm calling it now. The Oracle has spoken. <laughs> Jamal Williams <laughs> is going to run for 1,500 next year, barring injury. Oh, what have we done? We have given Jerem another nickname, the Oracle. 1,500 next year for Jamal. Jamal ran for 1,233. So 1,233 yards, seven touchdowns. He was 102.8 a game. That was just one yard less than Taysom. And we hammered this O-line. We hammered the O-line, and they ran for a school record in rushing yards. I'm not sure how that happened. 
Go fast, go hard. That's right. That's how it happened. Up next on BYU Sports Nation, what is Jackson Emery's biggest takeaway from BYU's three-game win streak? Plus, we dive into all of your tweets and your thoughts across BYU Sports Nation. Get it done. BYU Sports Nation continues after this. We'll be back with more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is Nate Austin, and you are tuned in to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Nate Austin will join the show live tomorrow. BYU Sports Nation bringing you all access to the Cougars. Welcome back to Studio 2 on the radio side of BYU Broadcasting. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here. Download the BYU Radio iPhone and iPad app today to get your favorite BYU Radio programming streamed straight to your phone. Download the BYU Radio app today in the iStore. Resetting our top stories, we just heard from Taysom Hill, his True Blue interview. You can stream that on demand at BYUTVSports.com. Or you can listen to the show again at any point. At demand. That's right. Jay Billis, ESPN college basketball expert, lists BYU at number 50 in his top 68 power rankings. The 68 coming from the 68 teams that get into the NCAA tournament. So the Cougars at number 50. And we're asking you what your biggest takeaway from BYU basketball's three-game win streak was. With that, we welcome in again... To the show, Jackson Emery, the all-time steals leader. The thief! At BYU. Jackson, welcome back to the show. We're going to ask you, what, what's your biggest takeaway from watching BYU win those three straight home games? Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me back on. Um, no, I think uh, really from the last time I was on, I had a completely different tone and how BYU basketball is doing. Um, I think there's a couple of things to take away. I think first and foremost, I mean, just getting back into – a winning environment, getting back into where these guys are comfortable, where they're confident, um, and really setting the tone for what's going to be, you know, a tough four-game stretch over the next two weeks. Um, But the biggest thing I take away out of this is, I mean, you have a bunch of guys that figured out how to win a couple of tough games without Eric Mika. And uh, I think, you know, you never, you never hope for anyone to get hurt or suspended, but anytime you get your bench guys such as you know Josh Sharp or even you know Matt Carlino getting their confidence back up because they're going to be valuable roles in the upcoming games and just getting them experience just because they haven't played as much lately. I think that's probably the the biggest takeaway I take from the past couple of games. Jackson Emery joining BYU Sports Nation. Jackson, I want you to know that you and I share the exact same thought. Eric Mika not playing was a game changer for BYU. He's not going to be able to play at some point down the line, whether you mention foul trouble or or whatever may enter. And the Cougars are going to need scores. They're going to need to find a way without that post presence on the floor. I feel like they figured that out during the home stretch. So that was huge for me. Exactly. And, I mean, anytime. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, good teams just figure out ways to win, and I, I, I felt like that was a, a pretty big uh, characteristic of our team over the past couple of days, uh, games is that they just they figured out how to win. They Whether it was just the extra pass, whether it was Tyler saying, hey, I need to put you this team on my shoulders for the next couple of minutes, or was it you know, Kyle pretty much going into a Magic Johnson body and almost getting several triple-doubles, <laughs> I mean, Guys just, you know, saying, hey, I need to take on a completely different role. We need to get back into winning. We're going to go on the road. And really, now they have a chance if they win. I mean, Greg Ravel tweeted us here today. I mean, if they win the next four games, I mean, they're in first place in the West Coast Conference. So they really are in control of their own destiny for the next uh, little while. Matt Carlino, coming off the bench, had a uh, tremendous game on Saturday, a game that BYU needed considering they had some foul trouble with Kyle Collinsworth and Tyler Haas. Kyler Halford went 0 for 5. So it was it, BYU won in different ways. That's positive. In terms of Matt Carlino, how do you think uh, BYU's coaching staff can continue to give him some sense of controlled aggression? Yeah. And that's that's a really good question. I mean, Matt's one of the most talented players I've you know played with, played against in practice. Um, you know, the the hardest thing to to measure with Matt is just to see how mentally he's doing. And you know, he went through a lapse 
for a little while where he just wasn't playing well. And not only was he not playing well, he was trying to force things. So I think the coaches just allowed, you know, took the necessary measures rather than putting that pressure on him to, hey, listen, you know, you're still an important role. The sixth guy off the bench, like Jonathan Tabernari was my junior year, is just as important because we need that sixth guy to come in and give us a boost, whether um, someone comes off, out because of foul trouble or because we just are you know, playing with not a lot of energy and you come in, get us a couple baskets, whatever the case may be. But, uh, you know, I think Matt's responded really well. And, I, you know, and that's great. And, I mean, you saw that he didn't start the other night, but he played 31 minutes. Those are starter minutes. And so hopefully Matt embraces whatever role it is, whether it is coming off the bench or starting. Um, and I hope Skyler, anyone else that has to go through that, and they just they, they ultimately just decide that team is the most important, winning is the most important, and they're going to take whatever role is given to them. Jackson, every former BYU basketballer on BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Jackson, after Thursday, we can call you officially one of our broadcast comrades. You're going to be on the (laughs) color call for Thursday's game at San Francisco. How did all that come about? Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, the the, the did not play by Mark Duran, I mean, I guess he's a I guess he's pretty busy with his job, and you know, Gregorville just talked to me a couple of weeks ago and said, "Hey, there's going to be some opportunities where Mark can't travel. I'd love to, you know, just have you on." And I said, "Yeah, of course. I mean, I'd love to, you know, first and foremost, just be on the show with you, but at the same time, go see the Cougs play in a, you know, a good environment." And so I'm, I'm happy to be with Greg. And fortunately for me, Greg does all the heavy lifting. Now, I had an experience that I want to just warn you about uh, with a color commentator his first time. You can't yell at the refs, Jackson. <laughs> so a couple of years ago, men's soccer, his name's Hugh Van Wagnon, turned out to be a really good analyst. We're, it's his first time ever. I'm calling the game, and all of a sudden, ref, that's a foul! He's just, he's just yelling. He's, he's the analyst on TV, and he's yelling. So just so you know, you, you probably shouldn't yell at the refs on Thursday. Yeah, I've already gotten the 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 you know the heads up that I can't yell at the refs during timeouts. I can't go in the huddle and talk <laughs> to our guys. I mean, I'm I'm strictly there. You also uh, cannot you know, play in the game. I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. Coach, put and me I, in. I can't, I can't bring my jersey. I can't be uh, <laughs> subbed in. None of that. <laughs> Jackson Emery on BYU Sports Nation. You can listen to him on BYU Radio this Thursday night. Uh, calling the game with Greg Rebell. Very cool stuff right there. Are you nervous at all, Jackson? You know, it, it's definitely different. I mean, a live game and, you know, emotions get high and, you know, you just hope that you don't, like, get too excited or too down or too angry. But uh, I think for the most part it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, Greg's great. He does, I mean, being the voice of the Cougars, he does a terrific job and, I mean, pretty much he just a lot of times just passes you the ball and you just got to make sure you, you hit that layup and don't screw it up. So four straight games on the road uh, at San Francisco, Santa Clara this week, then Portland, Gonzaga. What's BYU's record in those four games, Jackson? I think, you know, a large part of it's going to depend on how well Eric comes back. Um, I think they're going to they're gonna need a post-presence uh, Ultimately, I mean, I was proud of our guys getting those two wins, but you saw, you saw some some gaps in their offense. I mean, they didn't have a true post presence. Uh, they struggled at times with uh, being undersized, whether they had to monster the post or rebounding. So, you know, I think they can go four and zero. I don't think Gonzaga's as strong as they've been years past, and I, I feel like getting them at the end of a you know a four game road trip, if we can get a string of three wins before then, continue our confidence and. Get Eric up to speed. I, I think definitely we can go four and out. What makes you think BYU is going to beat Gonzaga in Spokane? I think a couple things. Um, I think this team is finally, you know, understanding what it takes to win ball games. Um, I think we have the talent at every position to compete against them. And I think the other thing to tell you the truth is, is kind of how it was my senior year playing against UNL at UNLV. Is just you're sick of losing there and you're sick of getting destroyed and losing this team and you want to finally compete. And I think these guys are hard enough competitors. They're older. They understand. So hopefully they, you know, I text coach Rose the other day. Hopefully they get that, that road warrior mentality 
going on the road in the next couple of games. And um, I'm, I'm just hoping that, you know, that continues for four straight games and we come back home, you know, number one in our conference and making kind of a splash in the, the West Coast. Jackson Emery joining Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan on BYU Sports Nation. San Francisco's off to a 4-2 and two start. And in this conference, there is so much parity right now. If Portland beating Gonzaga and Santa Clara winning at St. Mary's and then BYU losing at LMU and Pepperdine didn't tell you that, then I don't know what will. But the Dons are 4-2. and two. Any team can beat any other West Coast Conference team on any given night, it seems, Jackson. So what do you make of the Dons as BYU starts this four-game road trip? Yeah, no, I mean, to tell you the truth, I've been really surprised by San Francisco. I know uh, at the beginning of the year they lost their, uh, I think it was their point guard who just uh, decided, you know, it wasn't for him. And so, you know, after seeing how well he played last year, I thought, wow, that's a, a pretty big contributor, leader, et cetera, that you lose. But to see San Francisco respond that way, I mean, I mean, it's been pretty exciting. But, you know, the coach of the Dons, he's, he's passionate. He gets his guys to play extremely hard. Um, the past two years, to tell you the truth, I mean, have been nail biters with you know BYU barely escaping out with some wins. So, I think uh, if we go in there, we defend the three-point line. They're, they they like to play the pick and roll. If we can defend that and keep our big guys out of trouble, foul trouble, I think uh, you know we can come out with a win and hopefully uh, not a nail biter. <laughs> and what and one of those things that you'll have to transition to Thursday is it's it's BYU and not we. That's going to be the hardest thing. <laughs> David Nixon, Brian Logan on the pregame show have been like, I know we want to say we, and I just said we. It's it's BYU, it's the Cougars, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, the Cougars, BYU, all the, it's true. I, I Mark Durant tweeted us his top three things and kind of nailed on one of them. Is you can't yell at the refs, no technical fouls. <laughs> it's not we, it's BYU. <laughs> He's got your cover. If you follow those three, you're solid, man. You're all good. Exactly. <laughs> okay, last question. Uh, Rex Walters, San Francisco head coach, known for his shooting prowess as a college player at Kansas and uh, in the NBA. You and Rex, uh, if you had a three-point shootout Thursday before the game, who wins? <laughs> hopefully, you know, hopefully I can beat him. I mean, I know he was an amazing player in the NBA, but at the same time, I mean, he's, he's an older guy. I don't know how much he gets out there on the court. but uh, Do you still have it, Jackson? Yeah, you know, I I can still get out there. I can shoot the ball. As long as it's a set shot, I'm good to go. <laughs> Very nice. Will you come play on my church basketball team, Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm in the whatever ward. <laughs> yeah, you're recruiting out of your ward boundaries. Uh, yeah, hey, this isn't Chipview High School. I'm running a shady operation at the at the church basketball <laughs> level. Tell you what. Jackson Emery on BYU Sports Nation. Have a great call on Thursday, Jackson. We'll be listening, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. I appreciate it, guys. Have a, a good day, and uh, go Cougs. What's your biggest takeaway from BYU basketball's three-game win streak? That is our Twitter topic. We will dive into your answers from across BYU Sports Nation. And coming up, Jerem called it yesterday as Tyler Haas was named the WCC Player of the Week. He then went out on a limb with a Taylor Sander prediction. Man, I am nuts. Did he get it right? The Oracle. We'll find out next in the Cougar Whip Around. Stay with us. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this. Rise and shout, Cougar fans. This is Taysom Hill, and you are listening to BYU Sports Nation. Taysom Hill, we heard from him earlier on BYU Sports Nation today about his engagement to one David Nixon's sister, Emily. Yeah. And also how the Cougar passing attack gets better in 2014, what he's doing right now, and what he's doing to form a relationship with his offensive line. Cool stuff. Yeah, good stuff. We just heard from Jackson Emery, who said... His biggest takeaway from the BYU basketball game three-game win streak was having a bunch of guys that figured out a way to win a couple of games without Eric Mika. And he thinks BYU will win at Gonzaga. He thinks BYU will go 4-0 on this road trip. He feels like because they're back in the winning environment, BYU can come home with four straight road wins. I don't think, and we didn't address this, I don't think BYU needs to win at Gonzaga. I think it would sure help their at-large possibilities. You know what time it is? That's right time to do that cougar whip around it's time for the cougar whip around men's volleyball after 38 kills in seven sets over the weekend and BYU's two wins against northridge and long beach yeah i called it went way out on a limb again i'm tiptoeing on the branches 
Taylor Sander is the Mountain Pacific Sports Federation Player of the Week. Sander and the Cougars travel to Irvine and UC San Diego this week. Oracle? More like Boracle. Cougars in the association. Tonight, Jimmer for death and the Sacramento Kings play the beast of the East, Indiana. Jimmer has scored in double figures in four of his last six games. How about that? Booyah! Tonight's game on NBA TV. It's the fan game of the week if you want to watch it. Gymnastics. Yep, no one breaks it down like BYU Sports Nation. Sophomore gymnast Mackenzie Johnson named MRGC. That's their new sort of conference. Gymnast of the week. She recorded an all-around mark of 39.000 in a meet against Utah and Boise State. That's getting it done. Tomorrow, BYU junior forward Nate Austin will join us. They're heading to the Bay Area, working to snap a five-game road-losing streak after three straight home wins. It's a business trip. Who gets our rise and shout today, Jerem? I want to go Taylor Sander for winning MPSF Player of the Week. And uh, we hope to give him you know good karma. It depends who we get on the show. So Nate Austin's going to come on the show. So I'm going to think that he's going to get 10-plus boards against San Francisco. Uh-oh. The karma may make a return with Nate Austin. May? Will. will. Okay. <laughs> listen. 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 BYU Sports Nation karma is legit. It's real. It's a real thing. Acknowledged by those who have felt the karma when they played well. Taylor Sander. <laughs> Skyler Halford. It, it works. Jennifer Rockwood. BYU coach. Mark Pope had some. And he said, hey, you guys got a good thing going. I'm going to have to join you again. Little did he know that was the karma yeah. that he had received from this show. What's your biggest takeaway from BYU's bas- uh, BYU basketball's three-game win streak? We go to Twitter. Tweet, tweet. At Brady underscore Tucker. They came home, four-game losing streak all on the road, went a long time away from Provo, energized, win, boom. Brady Tucker used to work on True Blue. He's now in Reno, Nevada. What up, Brady? Working in television. At Noah M. Cook. Skyler Halford is a beast. Agreed. Last week's West Coast Conference Player of the Week. At Sports underscore Blue. Under, underscore Blue, that would be. BYU three-game win streak. Skyler Halford plus Tyler Haas might make up for not having anybody who can score in the post. Obviously without Eric Mika. Hashtag BYUSN. That's just tough because you're not always going to have sh- good shooting nights. BYU had a really good shooting night against LMU. It was 50% plus. But there are going to be times where you're going to have to get easier buckets inside. A la at Gonzaga. Eric Mika has to have a 18-point night or something at Gonzaga for BYU to have a shot. At Perry Schmokel? Schmokel. We'll go with that. They're trying to get back on track and maybe win the conference tournament. That's his takeaway from the three-game win streak. At Bridger Hill. BYU looking good even without Mika on the court. Showing some depth. Bizarro LeBronson. He's got Sharp in parentheses. So Bizarro <laughs> LeBronson is apparently Josh Sharp's other name. Has filled in nicely. Finally, at McMinn 5, Carlino is a huge Y factor for BYU hoops. Oh, nice football. It's a football terminology. BYU wins when he's engaged and productive. He struggled in key losses this year. Hashtag consistency. Hey, thanks to our guest Jackson Emery today and everyone on our crew. Producer Ben Bagley, Senior Coordinating Producer Michael Miner, Station Manager Don Chaline, Production Assistant Spencer King, and Engineer Aaron Evans. Check out our BYU Sports Nation Facebook page for show links and a whole lot more. You can also listen to episodes of the show on demand at byuradio.org. For Jerem, I am Spencer. We give out the karma tomorrow. You have just listened to BYU Sports Nation. Hasta la vista, baby.